and it's probably one of our biggest regrets. And that is we when we left on our lap of Australia, we didn't actually have a paddleboard at that point in time. Welcome to the Family Travel Podcast by A Big Peachy Adventure, where we help families plan their adventures, whether it's for a week, indefinite, or anywhere in between. No matter what your budget, we bring you hints and tips from the experts, inspirational stories of families who are living their dreams, as well as must highlights from places that we and our guests visit. Welcome to another episode of the Family Travel Podcast. I'm Michael. <laughs> I'm Natalie and you started really quickly. <laughs> Are you recording? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Normally you just do a bit more sound testing and stuff. That's fine. We'll, we'll roll with it. I'm leaving this in. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so if you follow Facebook, which um, I'm sure a majority of our listeners are actively stalking all the travelling families because, as people have said, it's totally okay to do that, um, you would see that a lot of families have a stand-up paddleboard or a SUP, as they're also known. Um, it's a really, really popular item that a lot of people have on their want list we had on our want list as well before we set off on our lap. Um, and the reason is because supping or stand-up paddleboarding, it's the perfect family-friendly activity. Um, it's easy for everyone to pick up and it's the perfect relaxing way to explore some of Australia's beautiful waterways and the ocean. So today we thought we would call in the experts that we think in the travelling family community on stand-up paddleboards so you may remember a previous episode when we were lucky enough to have Sharon and Adam Galway from the page Galway's Go Round On and they chatted to us in a brilliant episode which you should go back and listen to if you haven't already. It was all about how travel changes your life. Well, we are lucky enough to have them back again because Sharon, luckily enough, is an ASI accredited stand-up paddleboard instructor um, and both her and Adam are both hugely knowledgeable about the world of SUPs. So if you're even vaguely interested in getting a stand-up paddleboard, this is the episode for you. In this episode, we cover choosing the right size, whether or not a traditional fiberglass paddleboard is for you versus the inflatable ones, and also the myths and misconceptions about inflatable stand-up paddleboards. Whenever we have an episode that is more focused in its topic, we always try to have other fellow travellers on to give their perspective. I think this episode, you know, with the Galways and their combined knowledge on both topics is a perfect example. So without further ado, here are the Galways Go Round. Welcome back, Sharon and Adam, to the Family Travel Podcast. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. How you going? Hello. Great to talk to you again. Yeah, so good to talk to you guys. You guys been well? We have. Yep. We have. Very busy, but all going well. How about you guys? Yep, we're going really well. <laughs> Loving your podcast. We're really enjoying this series. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so we're, we've brought you back on the show today to talk about something particular, that's stand-up paddleboards. We see the question come up quite a bit about stand-up paddleboards and whether it's something people should take on a lap. Can you tell mm. us what a stand-up paddleboard is and why anyone would want to do it? Yeah, well, basically, for those who don't know, a stand-up paddleboard is a rather large surfboard-type board I guess and you move it through the water usually on flat water but they can be ridden in in swell as well with a paddle so I guess it's kind of like a fusion between surfing and kayaking was probably the best connection that you can make 
popular right around the world. It um, probably the history of of SUP is that you know it, it kind of became really popular probably around ten years ago. It, it was um, an emerging sport. You know, it's just taken the world by storm, and now it's um, a really popular exercise the world round for leisure, but also, you know, also for fitness and competition as well. Okay, so is it tricky? Like you compared it to a surfboard and surfing looks hard. Is stand-up paddleboarding a hard thing to learn? No, once you get your balance, uh, it's quite quite easy because your body and the board is a lot out of the water. So therefore you just glide across the top of the water. It can become one of those um, when you get yourself up to uh, up a creek or in a nice open bit of water and all you can hear is nothing there's no motors or anything like that so it becomes one of those zen moments that you can have as mm, well so it's quite therapeutic it's very very relaxing mm. therapeutic so it can be a little bit tricky in the swell there's quite a technique to it if um, you're riding in in the surf but definitely on flat water it's the type of activity that people of a wide range of ages and physical abilities can do so you know it's it's enjoyed by a really wide range of, of people. Okay. Another bonus with it is you can actually, whilst you're learning and getting yourself comfortable out, you can actually do it on your knees. Okay. Mm. So it, it is called stand-up paddleboarding, but, you know, like surfing, if you, you're learning to surf, it's kind of hard to learn to surf to go from your stomach to your knees and then try and ride the wave on your knees. But with this, you can actually shorten the paddle, get on your knees and actually just cruise around until you get comfortable on the water and then, once you feel like you're ready to stand, you can stand All up. All right. Is that something you recommend people take a lesson or is it you can pretty much learn it without like taking a formal lesson and how to do it? Yeah, I think you could you could do it without a formal lesson. Mm. So there is plenty of... There's always YouTube. Yeah, yeah thank God. YouTube for everything. So There's always YouTube. Yeah, no, no formal yeah. lessons required like surfing. It's but more so it's just once you're, you're comfortable in, in the type of water body you're in whether it be like a little bit of a swell here or a bit of wind here a bit of wind there probably um, if you have water. never ridden a, an actual board before and you're not the most coordinated person you may want to get a lesson you know even just a set of instructions is is handy but you know it is something that most people can do without too much difficulty it's 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 quite a gentle sport and and I see that um, they the stand up paddle boards come in both inflatable ones and also rigid ones that basically look like a big surfboard. What are the pros and cons of between those two? Uh, pros and cons. It's dependent on yourself what you want out of the board. You know, I wouldn't say that generally that it, I would not say at all that a, a inflatable board is is less rigid than a, a a fiberglass board, a traditional fiberglass board. Depending on quality. I'd, definitely say that the the inflatable boards are lighter mm. uh more easy to maneuver and you you know to get off the car but also storage storage um, becomes a bit easier yeah. as well uh depending on the type of if you were looking at a hardboard for example they you know to get a very lightweight one they're very expensive so they're usually a carbon base but most stand-up paddle boards that are rigid uh, are made of fiberglass and I guess it's very much in the Australian psyche that the hardboard is the way to go and that's because that's part of our culture. But in reality, 80% of the rest of the world's market in terms of stand-up paddle boards are actually inflatables. So there's now over 300 different manufacturers of inflatable boards around the world and that's because the inflatable market overseas is huge. It's actually in Australia 
inflatables are only 20% of the market. So, and that's probably got a lot to do with, you know, Australian Australia's history with surfing and, and how that's all come about. But, you know, there's pros and cons with both of the boards. Certainly, you know, for people who are riding the boards competitively, you know, if they, it was a sup race, it, there are benefits to having a rigid board, but they would usually be the carbon boards, very expensive. So they're super lightweight, they're easier to turn, but also, and also with an inflatable board, for a race purpose can be difficult if there's swell. So there is a, an element of flex in the board in an inflatable. So in the swell, that can be an issue for a race purpose. But for somebody who's riding a board just purely for leisure or exercise, you know, there's there's really no reason with the quality of many of the inflatable brands these days that they couldn't have an inflatable. There's just so many benefits for inflatable boards, like as Adam was saying, you know, they're really easy to transport, they're very lightweight, and they're also easy to store. I know myself as a, you know, I'm not exactly a giant, I'm not a tall person, we have a land cruiser, there's no way that I could manage getting a solid board on and off the roof of the car on my own. I I need Adam there to help me. So, you know, so that can be a disadvantage with a solid board, particularly given that stand-up paddleboarding is very popular for women. So it can be difficult getting the boards on and off if they're shorter or they don't have the physical strength. But as I say, with with inflatables, there's obviously quality is is a big factor. Yeah. Okay. So with quality being a, a big factor, what are some of the things that people should look for when they're looking at setup paddle boards, whether it be um, rigid or inflatable? Okay. Well, I think if well, they they really need to decide what's the purpose of them getting a board. If there's a real reason that they want want a hard board I guess they need to be sure about you know their how they're going to transport it and store it can they manage it uh, themselves but with an inflatable board I guess you know they need to to look at the quality to make sure that it's going to be rigid so if I was buying an inflatable board um, first thing I would look at is the price I I would n- not consider a board that would be under $800. Okay, so the Audi board they had out a few months ago? I believe that they did have a board, yeah. you know, which I'm sure is, I guess I guess the comparison that can be drawn is how serious people want to take their stand-up paddle boarding. If they want to invest in a board that's going to last, then, you know, there's sort of a price point where there's a change, you know, a clear shift in quality. So, you know, the, the cheaper boards are fine if, Perhaps it's something to be enjoyed by the kids or it's to be used more as a beach toy rather than a serious board. And when I say a serious board, I just mean a board that's going to be used properly in the water so it's going to be rigid and perform in the water so it can be paddled a fair distance by, you know, one or two members of the family. I guess some of those cheaper boards, that's, you know, they're going to be fine if it's just going to be something to have a splash or a kick around on. But if people are serious about wanting a board that is a good quality board, then I'd be looking firstly at the price point and making sure that it was, you know, well over the $800 mark because those ones around that uh, price point are usually made of a single layer laminate construction, PVC laminate construction, whereas 
ones that are more expensive, some of the more expensive brands, are usually made of a double layer. And I guess just for your listeners to understand is, you know, that's primarily it's the thickness of the material. So if you've got a board that's a double layer PVC laminate, you know that, it, you know, it's twice as thick as a single layer, obviously. It's going to be less likely to puncture and it's also going to be less likely to bend on the water. So, so on that with the bending on the water, Natalie and I, there's a, there's a bit of a weight difference between the two of us. Um, <laughs> depending on how many particular pies I've eaten in a given uh, month, um, I'm anywhere between, you know, 90 and uh, 100 kilos. Would uh, an inflatable one be okay for someone of my weight, um, let alone if I'm going to have the kids on there as well, or is it, is it going to bend in the middle? I think, yeah, I think the thing is it's really important when you're buying an inflatable board to take in, as it is even with a hardboard for that matter, to take into consideration your height and your weight and, well, I guess the largest person who'd be riding the board. Um, but most definitely they're, you know, at that weight, there's most definitely boards that would suit your needs. I would safely say there's an inflatable board right up um, to suit someone right up to 130 kilos that's going to perform well in the water. And, and what, so an inflatable one wouldn't bend with someone like 100 kilos staying on it? Uh, some some would. But the better quality uh, ones wouldn't. Better quality ones wouldn't. And it comes down to the PSI pressure that you can pump into the boards as well. So, you know, the higher the PSI, therefore there's more pressure, so therefore less chance of uh, mm. flexibility around the board. Yeah, that's a really important point because, Again, just to relate back to what I was saying before about, you know, the price of the board, those cheaper boards usually have um, a PSI restriction. So usually they can only be inflated to around about 18 PSI, but a more expensive board will tolerate uh, far more pressure or sometimes they won't even have a warning to say don't you know don't inflate this beyond such and such a pressure and the reason is is that their construction is so reliable you can actually even drive a car over them oh, wow. they're so they're so strong so you know if you've got a board that is able to take that increased pressure and if you've got a pump that can perform well enough to be able to get that pressure that's needed into it because that's also something to take into consideration if you're buying an inflatable board is the pump that comes with the board then there's no reason why it it should bend on the on the water if you've got the right pressure in that board. okay that makes sense yeah i think some some inflatables you can actually stand on and not realize that they're inflatable they actually feel like a solid board under your feet yeah right it's pretty, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? That uh... It is. Yeah, it is. And I think the thing is, Natalie, is that, you know, it, it just about in this day and age, we've got such great quality inflatable boards available to us that it, it kind of negates the need for a solid mm. board. I mean, you know, it, it's I, I understand that, you know, as I say before, Australians, it's in our DNA to tend to lean towards fiberglass and that could also be because of some of the quality of other inflatable products that we've experienced over the, you know, over the time, you know, the good old inflatable unicorn. You know, I think people kind of associate an inflatable board with that type of, or the Lilo, you know, that type of inflatable product. And that's actually not 
the the way that it is. I like to liken a better quality inflatable board to an inflatable dinghy like a Zodiac, you know, because that's the type of quality that you're talking about in those higher priced boards. And, and it's funny you say that actually, because I was just about to mention that from what you're talking or what you're explaining, it sounds very similar to um in my, in the past, I've dealt with some particular boats in a previous career that were completely inflatable and they were Zodiacs. And yeah, right. they weren't exactly light vehicles. They were very heavy. If you had to no. carry those through the bush, you definitely knew you were carrying it. And if you yes. tried to poke or prod one of those, you would not know it was inflatable. You just would have sworn it yeah. was a hard rubber shell on a steel yeah. boat. So, yeah. And good luck trying to put a hole in yeah, it. Exactly. Mm. You know, I mean... You know, these boards are constructed out of PVC laminate. And I guess if you think about, you know, a laminate product, they're very, very strong. Uh, you know, they're, they're extraordinarily strong for, for something that can be, as people like to say, blow up. But a good board won't blow up. That's the truth. It won't, you know, it won't, the seams won't separate under pressure. You know, the, the valves won't leak under pressure. Yeah. Um, and just, I think in relation to traveling families, the thought of an inflatable paddleboard is definitely very attractive. Mm. Like we're carting a surfboard around with us at the moment and it comes to the caravan right. we're driving and then when we stop, we take it out of the caravan and put it under the yeah. back of it and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Whereas having something that could actually roll up yeah. and be yeah, roll ups then the best part about you can store most of them under beds in your caravan, the queen bed, you know, we store one under our queen queen bed in the van one in the back of the car mm. so we don't actually we no matter if even if we oh, we have an inflatable <laughs> yeah sorry not not a we don't have a 10 foot six uh, glass surfboard underneath the car no so we you know we go out and um go somewhere that we can't actually pull it out and ride it we don't need to worry about security with the board either because it's actually in the van and in the car so yeah it's funny you say that because our surfboard is currently under our caravan right now <laughs> and we had the police yeah that's the yeah. most of them are, yeah. So. yeah something and, happened in the caravan you know, park and they told us to lock everything up but it's still just sitting in the yeah, no. yeah and i think that's the thing isn't it i mean if whether it's under your caravan or on the roof of your car you know there's still that security risk there you know i mean even just having it weather out there, if you're on a, a long period of travel, you know, you don't have that with an inflatable board. You're able to stow it away out of sight. So, you know, which is really handy. Inflatable paddle boards are, are standard with travelling people now and uh, inflatable tr- um, paddle boards and drones. Uh, <laughs> There's no some of the must have. <laughs> They really have become, you know, an item that most families, when they are preparing to go away, they they kind of put on their list. And I think part of the reason for that is it's it's actually something that the whole family can enjoy as well. I mean, with surfing, you might only find often there's only one member of the family that can that can actually surf or get out there and do mm. that. Whereas with us, with standard paddleboarding. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, with with stand-up paddleboarding, you know, it's usually something that, you know, the whole family can enjoy and often together. So it's not unusual for us to ride our board with our kids 
you know, tagging along on the board with us. And I mean, we, we carry two with us. So, you know, we all manage to pile on. So, you know, it's something that everybody can enjoy together and also allows you to explore places that you wouldn't otherwise be able to explore uh, on your travels as well. Yeah. I think, so, I think the views the views vastly different when you're standing on a paddleboard than what is a canoe or a kayak as well. Yeah. You know, looking from above down, you can actually see a lot more in the water. Yeah. Mm. And and we noticed that earlier this year we we went away with our kayak because we, we've had kayaks too over the years and we had our kayak with us. And I think Adam was in the kayak and I was on the stand-up paddleboard and I was able to point out things in the water, you know, that he couldn't even see. So, you know, you get a really nice view from up above when you're on the stand-ups. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just, you know, it's a great thing that so many people in the family can enjoy. It's, you know, it's a real nice piece of adventure. So when I, I – I've got a friend who's madly into surfing and mad, madly into stand-up paddleboarding, and I said to her that we were considering buying a stand-up paddleboard for our, our um, lap, and she got really excited and she's like, oh, so what size, what shape nose are you going to get and where are you going to, like, ride it? Do you plan on doing it at the surf? Do you plan on doing it on flat water? And what width are you going to get and blah, 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 and I had no idea. Yeah. What would you recommend for a beginner, as in, like, the size of the board, the width of it, and, um, like, the shape of the nose? And that I keep telling Natalie size doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> does it all oh, but it up? does, Michael. Oh, but it does. <laughs> uh, yeah, look. Um, I think it might be time that I chime in here. <laughs> I would, no, re- re- recommendation for someone to, I'd say, 105 kilo. Would, 110 yeah. would be a probably about a 10.6. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's pretty much a you know, it's it's a real um basic sort of size across there 32 inches wide. And if you're talking, you know, leader region or a surfboard, if people understand that, uh, I'd say 200, it's about 240 to 250 liters. That's that's the way to look at it. Okay, what, yeah, what the volume the volume means you just get yourself that, that's how much of the board is out of the water, and yeah. All right, and then the then the shape of the nose obviously is different as to whether you ride it on flat water yeah, versus that's... surf. I'd go for an all round board, um, which has a fairly rounded nose, unlike you know, say a, a regular surfboard that would come to a peak. So it's probably more like a shape of a Malibu if you're comparing it to um, you know a more conventional surfboard. You know, rounded at the back, not too narrow. So I would say you know thirty two. Um, wide would be fine for somebody who's physically fit with reasonably good balance and you know who's say up to 110 kilo if it was somebody who was older maybe you know sort of not quite as or had poor balance not quite as steady on their feet or somebody who is you know a larger size then I'd probably say a 10 foot 8 by 34 would be would be the go but you know the the, the all-round shape boards are just so versatile. So you can, you know, obviously they're primarily designed for flat water, but you can ride them in, in swell as well. You know, you can ride them in one to two foot waves quite fine. I guess with this, probably the thing that I'm getting out of this is that you shouldn't just go willy-nilly buy one. You should actually speak to someone first and get some advice regarding your size, weight, what you're going to use it for, where you're going to use it before you get one. 
Oh, most definitely. You know, that's absolutely critical to getting the right board for, you know, for what you want. You really need to talk to somebody who who is qualified and understands the sorts of the different sorts of boards and their shape and and their purpose. Okay, and it sounds like, you know, for even someone like myself who's a bit heavier and I, I thought that you know, me being a bit heavier would preclude me from using an inflatable one, but obviously that doesn't sound like that's the case at all. Um, what at what all. are some of the, I guess, myths and misperceptions you hear about inflatable stand-up paddle boards? Well, I think probably, I guess we could call it a myth, but in reality it's not a myth. It comes down to quality and that is that they'll bow on the water. Um but the reality is if, you know, if you get the right board and, you know, you're willing to buy and invest in a quality board, it won't bend on the water. So that is a myth, you know, that they're poor quality. They're or, not. Or another myth is that if you run over an oyster bed, you're going to put a hole in it. That's right. You know, yeah. You know, it's like if you run over an oyster bed in a fiberglass one, you're going to damage it as well. So yeah, I just think right. one of those things. Or if you drop it off the roof of your car. There's going to be an issue. So I just think, yeah. you know, for for your weight, there's definitely, the, there is a board out there for you. Yeah. And, and even if you, you know, you were somebody who was looking to sort of go a step up, there's even inf- inflatable boards for people who wanted to be a bit more serious about their paddling. So there are a really wide variety when we started our learning about inflatable subs we didn't realize that there were so many available i mean you, we can go to the local surf shop and nine times out of ten we'll only see those regular all-rounder type boards with the round nose but actually there are many other different types of shapes um in something that you know your listeners might be interested in is that Inflatable boards may not necessarily be the, sh- the same shape as regular boards for that purpose. So, for example, um, you know, you can buy inflatable boards for surfing, um, not just stand-up paddle boarding, but they're not shaped like a regular surfboard. And, you know, people may say, oh, but that's not what my board of that size looks like. I don't want a board that shape. I want a different shape. But it's not a fiberglass board, it's an inflatable board. So so that means that the not only the construction is different, but you know, the science behind it has to be different. Therefore, the shape isn't always the same. So you mentioned um about, you know, if you scrape over an oyster bed, you're not necessarily gonna get a hole in it. Have you guys had a hole in any of your boards? And if so, are they easy to fix? Uh, no, we, we haven't. haven't. So <laughs> And we have gone over oysters. And I've got, got three children who don't really have the same care factor. Like <laughs> yeah. So they run over sticks and whatnot. Just the our two boards are double laminate construction. So I, I don't think I could even pierce them unless I drove a knife through them. So, mm. yeah. Um, but you can repair them. A good quality board will come with a repair kit. In fact, a good quality board will have a good quality valve that can also even be replaced. So the inlet valve should be one that air can't escape from when the pump isn't connected. So when the pump's removed, no air should escape from the valve. But in the event that that would happen, a good quality board, you can actually remove and replace the valve. So, and a good quality board will come with a good warranty as well. Just about the same. <laughs> I don't know if you can buy. I don't know if you can buy a fiberglass board and get a warranty. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's very. I don't know. It's a very good point. Yeah, I've got, I've got no idea, can. but it's a very good point. Mm. Um, yeah. Another thing I've heard is that the inflatable boards they can burst if they're left in the sun. Is this is this true with all boards no. or just um, some? Uh, I think you would find again the cheaper boards that have a maximum psi that they can be inflated to. They're the ones that are going to in- explode in the sun. So if your listeners are shopping for an inflatable board. What they need to do is have a look around the valve of the board that they're looking to buy and somewhere around there, if there's a warning that says do not inflate over 18 PSI, that's the kind of board that they'd have trouble with in the sun. That's also the kind of board that would have difficulty getting the right amount of pressure in to be rigid enough. So, yeah, that's the kind of board I probably wouldn't be investing in if they were wanting something that was going to last long term having a bad experience on a a cheap board will turn people away so you know you want you want to make sure you got you want to make sure you talk to the right people to get the right board for you yeah another thing is is that if people are investing in an expensive board a good retailer of you know the more expensive inflatables will go out of their way to organize for a customer to actually trial the board or demo the board and I think that that's something that I would encourage people to ask of, you know, ask if it's possible, if they're somewhere w- within an area where they could trial the board. I know that, you know, we bought our board sight unseen and we were very happy. But, you know, I think there's a lot of other boards that had we not have read the reviews and done our research, we could have potentially bought a board that we weren't happy with and we might not have spent as much money but you know I mean if you're spending $800 on a board that you're really not happy with that's an awful lot of money to to have it sit there and not use it or to have you know not be able to leave it out in the sun for fear that it's going to explode. Yeah yeah that's a good point and I think there's there are so many um, setup paddleboard companies that are popping up online all the time like I'm I'm getting that I guess because I've research them online i'm getting the pop-up ads all the time with these amazing deals and it's very tempting just to buy sight unseen but it's probably not the best just to order something just because it looks good and the price looks good and they're telling me that the board's awesome (laughs) yeah well that's it and and like you said natalie they're popping up you've got popping up pun intended literally popping (laughs) up um, popping up and hopefully not popping but you've got brands that are coming out of the woodwork you know, what's their history, how much how much innovation and time has been spent actually developing the boards. You know, I know that in the boards that we ride, um, there's an incredible amount of technology and innovation that's gone into them and um, they've also been around for 10 years. They're in their 11th year. So, you know, it's not sort of, you know, they were, it's not a pop-up brand where you know there's no backing up or history of the brand so I think if people do their research I would definitely encourage them to do that and where possible even trial the boards particularly if it's one of those cheaper ones to see the performance on the water a good quality board inflatable board on the water will perform not unlike a solid board you know people should be able to be just about blindfolded and experience the same thing on the water. Yeah. So I know that I'm very keen to hear which boards you guys recommend. But first of all, what I really want to hear is your favourite places to go stand up paddle boarding in Australia. Uh, Naruma 
Narooma Inlet, the south coast of New South Wales, is absolute magic. I was fortunate enough to be cruising around there by myself and having one of those Zen moments. And I heard this little shh of behind me of breath. Couldn't figure out what it was. Turned around, and it was a, a little seal following me all the way up the inlet. So oh. it, it was probably yeah, that was probably one of the best places I've ever paddleboarded. It was just there's so much wildlife in the in the uh, actual water there. We also, we've done a lot of paddling on the Coffs Coast. There's a lot of beautiful places um, along the Coffs Coast for paddling, Mooney Creek. Also, another one of our favourites is Red Rock to the north of Coffs. Even up on the Gold Coast, you've got um, Cudgeon Creek and Talabudra, which are really nice places. So there's so many places. Rainbow Beach, Tincam Bay. Yeah. um, South Australia. Oh, Wilson's Prom. There's... I, I, it sounds like you need a um, stand-up paddleboard to travel Australia. <laughs> well, the thing is, is you might notice that we haven't mentioned anywhere on the West Coast or inland, and there's actually a reason for that, and it's probably one of our biggest regrets, and that is we, when we left on our lap of Australia, we didn't actually have a paddleboard at that point in time, and by the time we got around to, I think it was Lucky Bay, Cape Legrand, we were absolutely kicking ourselves and saying you know we really wished we'd have organized to have it with us but we jumped on the phone and we ended up crossing the Nullarbor and picked one up in Adelaide to continue our travels so I I would say there are so many places that we would have paddled you know people say oh you won't use one in the top end well I can tell you that there's absolutely places we would have broken it out for sure in the top end Nitmalik or Edith Falls near Catherine, we would have definitely paddled there. I didn't feel confident swimming the whole way out to that waterfall, whereas if I'd have had the paddleboard, I would have been out there under those waterfalls. Wanji Falls, Falls. Litchfield National Park, perfect spot as well. So um, Adele's Grove we didn't go to, but I know we would definitely be paddling there. And, of course, Ningaloo. I mean, Coral Bay, you know, being able to paddle out, you could easily paddle out a kilometre offshore and go and explore places like the Blue Maze and Ayers Rock, which are um, coral formations out in in Coral Bay that are only less than a kilometre offshore. Um, If we'd have had a stand-up paddleboard, we would have been out there paddling instead of paying for a glass-bottom boat trip to get out there. Wow, you've listed off pretty much everywhere we haven't been yet and it's made us really excited to to go out there and explore. Yeah, and I mean, as I say, like even right down, you know, there's so many places like... Well, look, it sounds like that you guys are extremely knowledgeable about all things stand-up paddle boards, both um, the conventional rigid ones as well as inflatable. From previous conversations, we know you're pretty passionate about the brand that you guys represent. Can you tell us a little bit about the brand that um, you're affiliated with and, and how people can find out more or how they could connect with you and potentially find out more about getting a stand-up paddle board through you? Absolutely. Well, we have a Red Paddle Co board or we have Red Paddle Co boards. Back in October last year when we purchased our Red Paddle Co board, uh, the company very quickly made us brand ambassadors, um, which we were felt very honoured. And, um, and so our relationship with the company began. And it was pretty soon after that we really, you know, we got to work with the owner and other workers within the company around marketing and sales. And 
we also had a uh, lot of interest from people who followed our page with a lot of the, the photos and whatnot, asking us a lot of information about the boards that we rode. Yeah. So, but but we we just realised what a what a fantastic not only board it was, but also what a great company it was. We we got an appreciation for the evolution of the brand, and also their passion for stand up paddle boarding. And that really the creators or founders of Red Paddle Co. were actually instrumental in the whole stand-up paddleboarding movement. So, you know, they've been around the world for over 10 years now. Um, They've only been in Australia for 18 months, two years, even though there may have been the odd board pop-up here and there. As far as the company actually bringing the boards to Australia, that's only been in the last couple of years. And I guess that's got a lot to do with the fact that Australians per se were tuned out to inflatables, but slowly the trend has has swung around and people are realising, you know, what great types of innovation they actually are but yeah so as we strengthened our relationship with the company and and we'd use our board we we would find that people would just come over and and want to talk to us about the board when we'd have it out and they were really curious and and we just you know we really believed in the product and how fantastic it actually is that we approached the company and talked to them about becoming mobile retailers and and the reason that we did that is because we know what a great innovation it is for us and our family and our travels that we wanted to share that with other travelers. And so I guess our market is um, fundamentally travelers mm-hmm. and people who are, you know, who are traveling. And of course, as we travel around, we get to, um, we get to retail the boards. So we do it remotely but we also do you know things like face-to-face demos and a whole range of stuff we attend caravan shows and um, different events as well yeah wonderful so if anyone's listening they've got any questions at all about purchasing a stand-up paddleboard whether they end up even going through you guys or not then they're more than welcome to contact you and absolutely. absolutely absolutely you know red paddle co are so evolved that, you know, part of us becoming mobile retailers is we had to go through a fairly extensive course of learning around stand-up paddleboarding and and red boards. So we have completed Red University <laughs> and that's what it's called. That's really important for our customers because, you know, we we are qualified to be able to guide people towards the board that best suits them you know, and help them in their selection. Anybody that's up in Broome, maybe headed south towards Ningaloo and wants to get a board, you know, and they'll be up in Broome, all they have to do is just jump on our website or give me a call and um, we can have a conversation and and work out what board is right. Uh, And basically, you know, once we place that order, then the board can be there anywhere in Australia within seven days. And just out of interest, just while you've been chatting there, I've got the iPad out in front of me and I literally just Googled, Best inflatable stand-up paddleboard, and the top link on the videos to YouTube, um, stiffest, most durable inflatable stand-up paddleboard, and it comes to Red Paddle Co. So they can't be that bad. People who people who are interested to have a look at the YouTube video of the board that's been driven over by a twenty-two ton um, truck. The tractor's driven over the board. So yeah, actually inflatable board pumped up to. 20 PSI has had a 20 a 22 ton tractor drive over it and hasn't hasn't 
that hasn't um, popped or hasn't popped at all. Yeah, not yeah. at all. Yeah, I guess the thing is, is I mean, a red paddle co board isn't necessarily within everyone's budget, and and that's absolutely fine. It really comes down to suiting people's needs and budget. Um, just something that I should also mention is in 2017 worldwide, the warranty rate for red paddle co boards was 0.02 percent. All right, so I've had barely no returns at all. Like that'd be yeah, <laughs> pretty. Enough, so yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think you have answered a lot of questions today about stand up paddle boards, and I'm going to be hassling Michael into getting one so that once we hit the warmer weather, uh, we can all get out there. I've got a drone, so Absolutely. I've got no excuses, I think. So you won't regret it, Michael. I promise. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great thing that everybody can enjoy. Yeah, well, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for joining us again. Oh, you're so welcome. Fine. All good. Thank you for having us on. Thank you for listening to a big peachy adventure of families travelling full-time. What drives us is hearing of those we've inspired to simplify their life and take the first step towards their travelling goals. So please, if you get any value from what we're doing, the biggest reward we could ask is that you share this podcast with your travelling buddies. Don't forget to click subscribe and also please leave us a review. Five stars, hopefully, but if not, that's okay. Please leave a comment and let us know what we can do better. If you'd like to connect with us personally or have any questions, you can find us on Facebook at A Big Peachy Adventure. See you on the road and happy travels.